Hey guys, get ready. Looking Up is about to start. Oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly love mercy and walk humbly with thy God for the Lord's voice crying the Lord's voice crying oh man what is good and what doth the Oh 
Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Looking Up show. And uh, today, as you are listening to this broadcast, it is Wednesday, October 18. However, as we are not able to be there in the studio on Wednesday, October 18, we are pre-recording it the morning before. So here, where we are in our studio, it's uh, Tuesday morning. So... For those who are listening for the first time, I want to give you a big warm welcome. My name is Danny and I'm blessed to be here on the Looking Up show each and every week. And today, um, in the absence of my good friend and co-host Sharissa, who is with her husband there in Narrabri, along with their beautiful little pelican, Judah, uh, they're running a program there and having a, and having a blast. And we're going to hear all about their adventures in Narrabri. When uh, Sharissa joins me next week on the program, today in their place, in Sharissa's place, we have a very good friend of mine who will be joining me to share his testimony, his journey of faith, and his name is Rodney Mallow. Welcome to Faith FM Looking Up. Thank you, Danny. It's good to have you, mate, and um, yeah, really appreciate you coming on board. And how are you doing? Oh, loving life. Oh, loving life. That's that. That's his. Um, that's his classic signature line. Whenever you ask Rodney how's he doing, he says loving life. When you ask me what I'm doing, how I'm doing, what do I say? Praising the Lord. Praising the Lord. That is the way to go. So loving life, praising the Lord, and with our good friend Sharissa direct Sharissa, with our good friend Shell directing traffic. Um, how are you doing, Shell? Fair to Midland. That's the way I always say. Fair to, fair to Midland. <laughs> That's because you're from the other side of the world. <laughs> what, what, what part of the states are you from? I'm from Wisconsin. Wisconsin, and I just I just discovered right like a few minutes ago that Wisconsin is famous for Harley Davidsons. That's right. Wow, is that where they come from? Uh huh. Wow. That's, yep. That's That's phenomenal. And They're the other manufactured thing, manufactured all. We have a, a factory in my hometown. Wow. Yep. They do a lot of the painting in wow. where my hometown is, but yeah, Milwaukee. Madison, they have, uh, there's different factories all around that do the different parts. Well, so we can blame Wisconsin for the noisy Harley Davidsons that tear through on a Saturday or a Sunday morning through our neighborhoods. (laughs) Blame or thank whichever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We thank the Lord for the Harleys. They're a great, they're a great cycle. And, um, so anyway, folk, we have an exciting program today. Rodney's going to share his testimony. But before that, we're going to be talking about what's, what's taking place there in the Middle East in particular and how that relates to Bible prophecy. And Rodney's going to give us his good oil on the things that are taking place, where they're leading to, and how this fulfills Bible prophecy. So sit back and listen to this beautiful song. And after that, we're going to be talking Middle East and Bible prophecy. Daniel of God, all of his life, and from his faith he never strayed. A prophet of A friend of the kings, he was used in so many ways. And as the years passed, he still served his Lord. 
with those prayers that he prayed three times a day. He did more than any strong man could do. So if my voice starts to leave me and I cannot talk, or if my feet start to fail me and I can't even walk, or if my eyes get so weak I can't see my you enjoyed that beautiful song and uh, we're here today with my good friend Rodney Mallor and um, Rodney I know that you are a keen student 
of Bible prophecy because that's part of your journey and we're going to get to your journey um, in the next section after the news. But in the meantime, Rodney, as you have been watching the news, as we've all been watching the news, and it's it's been pretty horrific, the things that have been coming out of the Middle East. I mean, this is on another scale. We're, we're used to the skirmishes and, and, uh, and the conflict that erupts, sadly, far too often. But this is on a very different scale of the things that we have seen and heard over these past 10 days. Uh, what do you make of what is taking place um, right now, and especially as it fits in with the prophetic scenario as far as your understanding is concerned? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been horrifying to, to see the news and see what's happening over there in, um, in Israel. And, you know, Danny, one of the things that I think <clears throat> is really going to, to come to the fore here is the fact that there's a lot of people that um, will be asking the question, where is God in all of this? How can a God of love be allowing these sorts of atrocities to to happen? And so I think it's going to open up some opportunities for us to be able to witness God's true character to Mm. people to to provide them with some hope for the future. Yeah, because there's obviously a lot of polarization uh, that has taken place. And this Middle East situation has really polarized um, society. There are protests that have taken place around the world, including in our own backyard here in Australia. Um, Palestinians, you know, protesting um, for you know for the sake of freedom for their nation, free Palestine, free Palestine. We're hearing that over and over again. And then you've got Israelis um, and Jews who are, are are frightened about their safety and well-being and thinking, you know, this brings back those horrible memories from World War Two and the Holocaust and everything that they endured and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I can't imagine how some of the Jewish community must have been feeling the other, the other week when mm. they were told to, to stay at home and not to, to go into the city because of what was happening there and, you know, for their own personal safety. Um, it must have brought back some, some bad memories and some, you know, some, um, some serious concerns for that community. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it's really horrific and I think what you shared Rodney is is really important and you know the news and media talking heads and I'm going to I'm not going to be talking about this from the perspective that that we are today but I like what you shared as far as we have an opportunity through this to really showcase the character of God as Christians and uh and and believers in God and I I kind of want to share a really good news story there was a good news story there's obviously the these horrific stories that are coming out, you know, 24-7, and the way the media is and social media in particular now, you know, we have access to things going on right now in real time, you know what I mean? And so unlike any other time in human history, you know, we're able to watch 24-7 what's going on. And there was this really good news story that came out. I was listening to uh, one of the Christian Broadcasting Network uh, news sites, and they and they shared this story of uh, of an elderly couple in their sixties who happened to live in a kibbutz uh, there on the southern border, and uh, the Hamas uh, militants. Um, yeah, terrorists, as many have, have, have named them, um, came through into their community. They stormed into their home and they held this couple in their 60s hostage for some 20 hours. There were five of them that came into this home and they survived. They were, they were some of the 
you know, some of the few that, that survived in this particular kibbutz. You, you think about it, five militants coming in and you surviving for 20 hours. There was a SWAT team that eventually came in and took out these, these five Hamas um, uh, soldiers. Um, and this is how they survived. This was the headline. Um, this was from a US ABC News. Um, and it said, How Israeli couple survived 20 hours with Hamas, with Hamas hostage takers before dramatic rescue. Do you want to check this out? This is off the scale. This is off the scale. Um, the couples, their names were Rachel and David Edry. And, uh, like I said, they were there on the, on, in, in southern Israel, there, 25 kilometers from the Gaza border. And so this is, this is how they survived. Um, I'll just read to you a little bit here. It says, uh, eventually a SWAT team convinced Evie to retreat and they took over the rescue. Um, Evie, this was, Evie is their son who happens to be a police officer who came into the house and he was confronted with these five, you know, these five gunmen who were holding, you know, his, his parents hostage and threatening to kill them. Before, before that all took place, um, Evie, Evie the son, yeah, he retreated, so the SWAT team took over, and they asked Rachel and David, they said, how did you survive those, the 20-hour ordeal? Um, and this is, this is what Rachel said. She said, she cooked for her captors, keeping them occupied with coffee and cookies while hell raged all around them. These are her words now. She says, I made them chicken. I offered them coffee. I knew that if they were hungry, they may very well have been angry. I also bandaged their wounds and I sang. Can you believe it? This woman, she is taken hostage by these five individuals. She's cooking for them. She's bandaging their wounds. She's singing. She had a calm spirit. And when you see the interview, you can see the interview that they did on ABC News. She was calm. Um, she had... You know, she was obviously traumatized, but she said that God gave her this calmness. Her husband was very stressed, but God gave her this calmness, and um, and she ministered to them. And it reminded me of a scripture in Romans chapter twelve. Check this out in Romans chapter twelve, and there's many like it, but here the apostle Paul he says, therefore, this is Romans chapter twelve, verse twenty and twenty one says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that passage, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. That comes to us from Proverbs chapter 25, verses 21 and 22. So this woman was following the directions of, of Scripture. Proverbs, the book written by Solomon. God gave him wisdom to write that, and I just wonder that that could have been what saved their lives. And uh, they were not part of the sad and horrible statistics. 20 hours, and she was ministering to their needs, showing them love, showing them kindness, telling them it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, I'm here, whatever you need, I'm here to provide for you. Isn't that incredible? That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, an incredible story. So I thought that was that was really worth sharing with with, with our listeners. And um, so yeah, from a, from a prophetic point of view, um, how do you see this playing into Bible prophecy? Because obviously we're living in the time of the end. The, the Bible tells us, you know, since seventeen ninety eight, we have been living in that 
final stage of human history, the time of the end. How do you see, um, you know, these events and the conflict and the tension potentially, you know, fitting into, you know, this um, Bible prophecy scenario that we have in Scripture? Well, you know, when we look at Matthew 24 and it talks about the fact that there will be wars Mm. and there will be rumours of wars. And, you know, we can see that just in the last, you know, short space of time, we've had uh, the Ukraine conflict. Mm -hmm. We've now got this conflict. And there's numerous other conflicts, you know, whether they're in Africa, you know, there's been multiple coups in Africa, deposing leaders over Mm. there. Um, and there just seems to be this uh, increasing... South America. South America. La- yeah, yeah. inter-America, yeah. all people moving up to the border, you know, this uh, hundreds, thousands, even yeah. millions wanting to cross over into the United States, refugees from Europe moving... Well, from Africa, North Africa moving into Europe, refugees. So people don't just pick up and leave their homes with a backpack, leave their entire life behind. People don't, they don't do that on a whim, do they? No. It's because their lives are being threatened and it's almost impossible to live where they live. Even Southeast Asia, mm. India, you know, Kashmir, uh, Pakistan, you know, there's so many conflicts that, that just seem to be increase, on an increasing level right across the globe. Mm. Um, and I think that all points to the fact that this world is in those convulsions, in those final convulsions. Mm. Um, those labour pains those that Jesus pains talked that, about. Yeah, And so... Um, you know, as this show is aptly named, looking up, we need to look up mm. because Jesus is coming soon. Amen, amen, and that's why, yeah, we call it the Looking Up Show because Jesus said in Luke twenty one twenty eight, when you see all these things come to pass, look up, because your redemption is drawing near, and certainly, yeah, our redemption is drawing ever near by the day. I'm not sure where all this is going to land um, when the dust settles in the Middle East, if it ever settles. Um, this side of Jesus coming, we don't know, you know, how much more, um, how much more, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, how much more convoluted the situation will become and tense and, and whether the conflict will widen further. Everyone is pretty tense and nobody knows as the Americans are bringing in their, their big guns, aren't they? They're de- and they're making their troops uh, deployment ready now as well. That's right. So- but I think, you know, I think one of the most important things for us to all to remember is the fact that the Bible tells us that we ought not to fear. Mm. And what this, uh, what we've seen over the last few years, obviously also with um, the pandemic and now with uh, these conflicts, it's creating that sense of fear in, in, in the population. Mm. Um, people don't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, and fear is robbing them of hope. Yeah, in a in a better future, and so people make bad decisions when it's motivated by fear. And I think that you know we have a a mission to be mm. able to spread the news of Jesus and to tell them that they need not fear. Mm. Amen, amen. That's a good point. And and when it comes to that, it's interesting um, what Jesus said. You 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 alluded to Matthew twenty four and Jesus speaking of wars and rumors of wars. You know, nation rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And it says all that in Matthew twenty four. And it says when it speaks of you know nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's in Matthew twenty four verse seven. Jesus goes on and he says. Um, uh, prior to that, he says, yes, there will be you know, wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, which is what you were saying. You know, Don't be afraid. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. So this has to happen. This is not new to you. 
but the end is not yet. It's interesting, he says, the end is not yet. And then in verse 14, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then the end will come. Amen. So the message that needs to be our focus is the preaching of the gospel. Amen. And the gospel is another word for good news. Good news. The good news that Jesus is coming back. The good news that Jesus wants to save as many as are willing to be saved. The good news that Jesus is going to usher in a kingdom where there will be no more pain, sorrow, suffering and sadness, no more death, disease and destruction, but where there will be peace and joy forevermore. And, you know, as we can even just see in the example that we just had before, when we focus on the negative and, and the things that are happening, it can create that mm. sense of fear. But when you share that good news story, it changes the mood and, and you does. have that sense of hope. And so it's the same thing. How much more so when we share the gospel, that good news of, of God, that it can alleviate that mm. fear. And it's interesting because um, you've got, you know, Titus chapter 2, verse 13, it speaks of the second coming as the blessed hope. Amen. You know, uh, the, the blessed hope. Um, and so that is just so, so critical for, for all of us to know and understand because without that hope, without the blessed hope that we know how this story ends, we know how this conflict, yes, there will be peace in the Middle East when the Prince of Peace turns up. And the Prince of Peace is Jesus Christ, according to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He's the Prince of Peace. And it's interesting when the angels turned up to, to herald the news that a Savior was born in Bethlehem to the, to the shepherds who were there watching their flock by night. You know, they, they sang the song, you know, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Amen. The Savior has arrived. And so when Jesus arrives the second time, he will usher in that eternal peace and goodwill toward all men. And, you know, you talked about fear, and there's no fear in God's love. And, you know, in 1 John 4, 8, it says, um, you know, God is love. And then in verse 18 of 1 John 4, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So I believe that this story of this Israeli couple, in particular the, the woman, Rachel, um, she didn't have that fear, but she had that perfect peace of God. And that is why she was able to overcome evil with good. Amen. And that's just such a powerful story. So I hope and pray that our folk have been encouraged. There's a lot more going on, but we want to encourage you to keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon. What you are seeing, what we're all seeing is fulfilling the gospel message. And Jesus is coming soon and he's going to put an end to sin, suffering and sorrow. Oh, oh.
You're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right. And if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate. It's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun. So catch you then. All right, great to have you tuning in on the Looking Up show, folk, from wherever you may be tuning in. And um, we're in the studio today with my good friend and our special guest, Rodney, Rodney Mallor. Welcome once again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you, and um, we are so glad that you're able to share your story, your journey of how God has led and guided you. Well, let's start off at the beginning of time. Um, well, before that, tell us a little bit right now where you're at. Like, um, you're married, you have children, you, what, what's, what's your status? Yeah, so I'm married um, just over 13 years now, and I have a uh, eight-year-old daughter who's in year three at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm studying theology at uh, Avondale University and uh, in my final semester, so I'll be finishing very shortly. Fantastic. And um, where will you be heading at the end of this semester? I'll be heading off to uh, Perth. Wow, the Western other side of the Australia. world. Yes. I mean the other side of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Some are like, it might as well be the other side of the world. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's the other side of Australia. And so yeah, for our listeners who are tuning in from WA, Perth in particular, uh, do, you, do you have any idea of what you'll be doing there, where? you'll be working in Perth? Yeah, so the, the plan is that I'll be uh, working on doing church planting over there mm-hmm. and uh, initially in, south of the river, river mm-hmm. um, in a suburb called South Lakes. Okay. So 
Oh, our church planting, hey? Yeah. That's something exciting. Very exciting. I'm very looking forward to it. That's very much part of your journey that we're going to find out a little bit about. So, um, well, folk, if you'd like to comment, if you'd uh, like to ask us any questions, any prayer requests, even though we are not live um, right now, we have pre-recorded, but we will still get back to you. We'd love to interact with you. Our number is 0488817624. That's 0488817624. So text us your comments, questions, prayer requests, and we would love to hear from you. So, Rodney, let's start off at the at the beginning of time. Uh, the beginning <laughs> the of Genesis Rodney's time. <laughs> the genesis of Rodney's life. <laughs> um, so how did it all begin? Where Where did you grow up? Where were you born? And so on and so forth. Okay. So originally I'm a Queenslander. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. a cane toad. Yeah. Born up in uh, Toowoomba. Uh-huh. And uh, I was brought up in a uh, very strong Catholic home. Right. I've got an Irish Catholic background. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Uh, faith and religion was heavily intertwined with uh, family events. My mum was one of ten. Wow, one of ten! Yeah, have um, mercy. And so, uh, and she was the second born. So I was actually the first born of all my cousins. Wow! So we had a a, a large family. How many cousins? Can uh, you've lost count? <laughs> so that's your mum. She's one of ten. Yeah. Wow. What about your dad on your dad's side? Um. Yeah. So he actually came from a, a Methodist background mm-hmm. um, and uh, converted went to, in order to marry my mother. And so he's got a smaller family. I think they've got about uh, three siblings. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, not so many cousins on that side. Okay, so you're probably a bit more in tune with who they <laughs> are. <laughs> well, okay, so, so you grew up there in Toowoomba. Yeah, um, went to... Uh, Catholic primary school there, and then we uh, moved out to a, a little place called Chinchilla, which mm-hmm. is uh, a bit further west, another two hours west of Toowoomba. Um, but growing up, faith was something that was very important to me. Um, I was, uh, I really enjoyed, you know, going to religious classes, and uh, I was an altar boy. And uh, as I got a bit older, I became a um, a youth leader within the Catholic Church. Mm. Um, there was a, a youth group called Antioch, and we used to run weekends and things like that for youth. And um, yeah, I was quite active. We we went to mass every every uh, Sunday, and my mum was heavily involved as a lay as a lay person. She did uh, pregnancy help counselling on um, back in the day when you know if a young lady got got pregnant outside of marriage and wasn't sure what to do. She would mm. all up this. Helpline called Pregnancy Help, and oh wow! So she offered counselling and those sort of services, and she also taught religion in the schools, the the Bible, the the school religious program you oh, know, wow. for the state schools. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was sort of um, my background with in terms of faith. Um, it was interesting that uh, when I when I left Chinchilla and moved to to Brisbane. To start my adult life, um, because opportunities were few out out in the west, um, I met a young girl who happened to be a Seventh Day Adventist. Wow! 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 And uh, that was my introduction to to another faith. Mm-hmm. And so, how old were you at the time? I was twenty. Okay. Yeah, and uh, we'd been dating for 
three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be very transparent with her. So after three weeks of dating. Did you know she was Seven Day Adventist before yeah. you started dating no, her? No. Okay. No. So after three weeks, so you found yeah, out. Well, yeah, it was. I found out during that period of time. I'm yeah. not sure exactly when, yeah. but yeah, at some point in that time. But you didn't know that she was Seven Day Adventist before, before you started yeah, dating her. Yeah. And so I took her out for a lunch. And I, I just wanted to be very transparent with her. I said, look, if we're ever going to get married, you have to become a Catholic. <laughs> and we have to send our children to a Catholic school. And uh, so what, happened, what transpired next was, uh, was quite uh, interesting. You know, maybe most girls probably would have gone, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, but she said to me, she said, do you believe in the Bible? And I said, yes. And she said, do you believe it's the word of God? And I said, yeah, absolutely. She said, okay. She said, well, if you can convince me according to the Bible that Catholicism is correct, then I'll convert. Wow, what a challenge. Now, that was like great, you know, waving a red flag at a bull, you know. <laughs> I thought, oh, you'll be Catholic by the end of the week. <laughs> uh, I was very confident. But, you know... Part of that that process stemmed from um, some things that had happened within my family background. So my grandmother was a twin and, um, and you know, growing up, twins have always been, you know, close together. Mm. And my great aunt, my, my grandmother's twin sister, uh, fell in love with someone who was uh, not Catholic and... Uh, she married this man, and as a result, my grandmother severed communication with her twin sister for the rest of her life. Wow. They never spoke again. And they were twins. And they were twins. Wow. And so this is the kind of family background that I came from. So, you know, at this relationship, I just wanted to set the, mm. the framework of the groundwork very, you know, straight from the beginning. My mum had been through a divorce, but both of her husbands had come from other faiths, but before they got married, they had to convert to Catholicism to be able to get married to my mum. And so, um, yeah, so I had that very strong religious background already built up in me. Mm. And I believed that I was on solid ground. I believed that my, my house of faith had been built on, on a solid foundation. And it's interesting that when I started studying, um, the first crack that sort of appeared in that foundation came with the Tenth Commandment. Oh, okay. And what would the Tenth Commandment be? Remind us. Yeah, so in the catechism growing up, I I knew of number nine being thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife and number Mm -hmm. ten being thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Mm -hmm. And I was quite surprised when I read in Exodus that that was actually one commandment. And uh, so I'm thinking, okay, so how do we get Ten Commandments if this is one commandment? I realized that uh, number two had actually been taken out. Um, Mm -hmm. And so... And what's number two, just to remind our listeners? Not to have idols. Not to have idols, yeah, not to make graven images and not to bow down to idols, yeah. That's right. And so this is what's triggered my my quest, my, my search for truth. And... 
it began quite a, a shaky period in my life because can if you can imagine you've grown up believing that what you know is truth mm. and to have that challenged and realize that actually it's not in accordance to to scripture um, you start to question everything mm. and so it was quite a a shaky period of time in my life where I had to um, challenge everything that I had been taught and learned against the Bible truth and, and start to understand what it is that, that the Bible was actually teaching. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and so it began quite a, a, a journey in my life. Um, I was hu- so hungry for the truth that I was doing Bible studies with up to three different pastors per week because... You know, pastors have got limited time. They could only... <laughs> Are these Seventh-day Adventist pastors? Seventh-day Adventist pastors, yeah. Okay. Um, and so... Three pastors. Up to three pastors per week. Per week. Wow, you really wanted to know. I haven't come across too many people that are keen to study with even two pastors, let alone three <laughs> pastors every week. And, you know, I, I would finish work and I would get home and I would read. Wow. And I would watch DVDs that, you know, the pastors had given me and I, I would just... Because I, my my world had been shaken, mm. um, and I wanted to have that stability in my life, and so I needed to be able to find out what was actually truth, and so I had this immense hunger to mm. know. Well, how did your how did your family feel? Um, like uh, siblings? Uh, how many siblings did you say you have? So I'm one of six. One of six. Okay, I'm the first born. I was going to ask, where are you in the line? So you're the first born. Okay, so it's a big responsibility. I know what it's like to be first born. I don't have six. I've got two younger sisters, but <laughs> but to be first born, there's a responsibility. Massive there. responsibility. So you've always got to step up in any situation, um, especially an important situation. You. Everyone looks to you. You yes. need to be the one to step up because That's you're right. the you're the eldest. And so you being the eldest, and you're on this journey. What are your younger siblings? What are your parents making of this? Yeah, you know, um, obviously being the eldest, a lot of my siblings were still um, quite young. Um, and at this stage, I wasn't living at home. I was out of home, and so um, I was. I was going through a lot of this in my own space. Um, I wasn't communicating a lot of it with with family. I I really wanted to establish, um, you know, what you know what was truth and and what was not on my own terms. And so, so, so they weren't really aware. Your parents, in particular, that you were meeting I, three pastors every week, no, um, no. and having these intense, <laughs> no, deep Bible studies, no. no. They they were aware that I was on a journey, but um, to what extent I'm not mm. sure. Yeah, they certainly had no idea really what was going on no. in your mind and in your heart. No, but they knew that I was, you know, that I that I was definitely on a journey and that I was mm. studying. Yeah. So were your were your younger siblings as serious about faith um, mm. as you were? No, no. Okay, so you kind of stood out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I actually. Where were they at with, with their had, faith? It's hard to say, you okay. know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like to speak on their behalf mm. in that in that space, but I know for myself that at one point, as a as a teenager, around probably fifteen, I'd seriously contemplated becoming a, a priest. Wow. Okay. Um, the the part that really sort of held me back was the fact that my mum was a big part of a big family. I was the eldest of a big family, and I also wanted to have children. And to become a priest, you weren't allowed to get married. And so that was a sort of a, 
a deal closer for me. A bit of a deterrent. <laughs> <laughs> you want it to be fruitful and multiply <laughs> right. and fill Toowoomba yeah. with little pelicans yeah. here, there, and everywhere. Oh, wow. So, well, what, what, what a journey. And so you're, you're at this point where you're, where you're asking questions, you're digging. Um, where to from here? Did you, did you continue yeah. further? So, um, God, God is amazing, you know, and, and he reveals truth as you can handle it, mm. you know, um, around issues of the Sabbath and things like that. It was just amazing how he um, revealed those things in my life that they were important uh, to him. And, um, but I made one key mistake and that was a few years into into my journey, I I took my eyes off off God, mm. and I saw the people around me at church, the congregation. And at that particular time, there'd been some, you know, very unsavory things that had happened in the church and were happening in the church, and I ended up walking away. Oh, wow. Pause it right there. Pause it right there, because we're going to hear a song from Keith and Kristen Getty. Oh, for a closer walk with God. And after that, we're going to pick up this powerful conclusion to this story. Oh, fire of God, come burn. 
close with God can answer in my fray. So purer light shall mark the road that leads me to the land. You left us on the cliff before we <laughs> before we listen to that beautiful song. Oh, for a closer walk with God, and that's and that's a fitting song because that really was your experience, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that was your desire. You wanted a closer walk with God. You wanted to know God's will, His plans, and you wanted to know it as it's found in the Bible. Yes. So you wanted a "Thus saith the Lord." Amen. Praise the Lord for that. So tell us, yeah, you, you left us on the cliff. Um, yes, yeah, you, so you had this experience. Something happened in the uh, things happened in the church. You took your eyes off the Lord, numerous and then thing, yeah, yeah, numerous things happened. But I I became discouraged, I, and I I walked away saying that okay, the Adventist Church has the truth, mm-hmm. but they don't have the love of Christ. Oh wow. And I swore never to come back to an Adventist church. Mm. Now these individuals that um, yeah discouraged you. And obviously you took your eyes off the Lord, which the enemy does. He's an opportunist. The enemy is an opportunist. Um, Were they leaders? Were they just everyday sort of members in the church? Um, Because it makes a difference when when someone is potentially a leader um, that that brings in discouragement. The Bible talks about leaders needing to be leaders, need to be shepherds of the flock and so forth, be they elders, pastors, head deacons, whatever the case may be. One of the instances was an elder Mm. um, and... uh, he ended up in jail. Oh, wow. Um, but um, there was other incidences mm. that actually happened as well. And so, yeah, but there was definitely some, some stuff from, from the leadership as well. Mm. But, you know, the, the after effect of that was the fact that I walked away and, mm. um, and was very discouraged. Yeah. I, I went into business, got into politics, continued my life and um, was open for God to to show me um, a group of true believers, but I I really had felt that um, you know that the Holy Spirit wasn't wasn't with wasn't with this group. Mm. So I I was out of the church for about eight years, and uh, and this is where the story really gets interesting: is that God God doesn't leave you nor forsake you, and He's He's his grace is is amazing. He, um, I had a good friend, and uh, she was a musician. And at that time, you know, she had uh, black hair with a red streak through it, and played um, in the pubs and the clubs. Um, amazing voice, uh, really talented musician, uh, 
Um, and uh, she had a sister, a younger sister, uh, who worked at a, a cafe. And I was catching up with her sister one afternoon, um, and uh, this was in Southbank, down in yep, down in Brisbane, up in Brisbane. And uh, anyway, we were just having a chat, and she was closing up, and um, this guy walked in off, um, from the from outside, offering to do tarot card readings. And uh, she said to she politely said to him, "No, thanks, um, not interested." Okay, and so he left, and I. And I just sort of mockingly said to her, "Hey, why didn't you get your, you know, your, your future read yeah, to you? your cards read? You know, <laughs> maybe you, you can find out your future." And, and uh, her response was something that sort of triggered my curiosity. She said, "Oh, no, it's against my belief." And I went, "You know, she could have said, oh, no, I just wasn't interested. Mm. Nah, it's not my thing.'" But but she said, "It's against my belief," and I went, "Against your belief? What?" You mean it's against your belief? And she's like, "Oh, no, no, it's just against my belief." She she realised, you know. Mm. And I said, "But I'm like a dog with a bone. I'm like, explain this. What do you mean it's against your belief?" And uh, she said, "Oh, she said actually I'm Seventh Day Adventist." Oh, you're kidding me! Almost, you're kidding me! I almost fell over. <laughs> and I said, "So you're telling me, you know, my other friend?" Her her sister said, you're, you're telling me she's Adventist as well. She goes, yeah, yeah, and we've just started going back to church. You should join us. I'm oh, like, no, have mercy. You've been set up. <laughs> <laughs> this is another divine setup that we hear about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, to their credit, um, they continued to, you know, to nudge me from mm-hmm, time to time, mm-hmm. you know, to, to come and to join them. But five months later... And I was working in the corporate world at that stage. I was surrounded by guys that are on, on the fast track to wealth and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I had this aching in my heart that there was something missing, um, that all of these worldly things, they couldn't, they couldn't fill mm. it. And so I remember it was a Sunday and I said to Anna, I said, I said to her, okay, Luke, um, next weekend... I'll come to your church. Mm. And the Holy Spirit took note. Anyway, so that week just sort of passed like any usual week and I'd sort of put to the back of my mind my commitment. Um, A friend of mine was moving house that week and I lived in a city, Brisbane, and so I wasn't using my car. They they asked if they could borrow my car. I said, sure, go for it. I also had a house that had about, um, four bedrooms. So we used, I used, this is in the days before Airbnb, but I used to rent out my other rooms for international students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the students was going back to their home country on the following Monday. So we were having a going away party on the Friday night for them. Mm. And so, you know, I wake up on Saturday morning and I've got a hangover. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Uh, it's raining, and as I pick up my my phone, I re- there's a text message from my friend who has said that oh, she won't be able to attend that church, that you know her Anna, church. Yeah, mm. yeah, she won't be able to attend her church on the Saturday because her mum's church is way north of Brisbane, and her mum's not feeling well, so she's going out to see her mum. 
So I'm like, no, I can't go. And this is began a, a battle with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Every single objection that I raised with with the Holy Spirit that morning, he came up with a with a with a counter, and so I was like, I can't go. You need to go. Got a hangover. I've got a hangover. Go have a shower. I've got nothing to wear. Just put on jeans and a t-shirt. I haven't got a car. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't have a car. Take the train. It's raining. Use an umbrella. My friend's not going. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow. And, and so there was this... This great controversy was going on in your was, mind and heart. And it was real, you know, like it mm. was a real battle. Mm. And so reluctantly, you know, I put on my jeans, put on a T-shirt, my sneakers, and, I'm, you know, anyone who might have seen me walking that morning would have thought, oh, maybe this guy's a bit crazy because this battle was going on mm. in my head, you know. What mm. am I doing? I should be just at home just resting up. I'm on the train, I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. I can't, you know, I sh- this is crazy. What am I doing? Just go back home. And this battle is just raging in my head. But I'm but the holy I feel like the holy spirit's, you know, got me by the ear and it's dragging me, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And where the church so the church that I was going to is Brisbane Central Church. I don't know if um people are familiar. Oh, we with might that. have some listeners from down that way. Maybe. We certainly do from up that way, yeah. So Brisbane Central Church is on one corner and then on, on the other corner you've got some um, other buildings and, and backpackers' hostels. Mm-hmm. And so after the train I'm sort of walking along the footpath and I'm on the opposite side of the road to the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm dressed in jeans, sneakers and a T-shirt and I don't look like I'm walking to church. You know, I look hungover, you know. <laughs> well, you were hungover. <laughs> and I was hungover. And so, you know, this battle is still going on in my mind. You know, what am I doing? This is crazy. And then this lady who, and the church is actually set back quite away from, from the, the street itself as well. And so this lady walks down from the church, walks across the footpath, crosses the street, walks down 30, 40 metres down the footpath to greet me. On the other side of the road. On the other side of the road. She sticks out her hand. Wow. And what do you think that she said? She said, happy Sabbath, welcome to church. She said, welcome to church. Oh, wow. <laughs> now. She must have been an angel, surely. <laughs> no, she was well, a real person. She revealed to me later that actually she'd been impressed by the Holy Spirit to do that. Wow. Um, and that got me across the line. Wow. Um, so you were very reluctant to cross over to the other side to where the church was. Yeah. You were there close by, but you were going to try and. But this lady, she got me across the line. Wow. And how many times, I mean. I've never seen it done before where somebody walks out no. of a church, walks across to some random person mm. in the street and says, oh, welcome to church. And especially when they don't look like they're going to church. Especially when, yeah, they're not dressed to go to church, you know. Um, and so clearly the Holy Spirit was mm. was intervening and, mm-hmm. and really wanted me to be there. So I, I, I walk in, I, I sit down. I don't know anybody there. I feel, you know, a bit out of place. I'm like, 
Really, what am I doing here? You know, like, <laughs> How many times my, did my you say that not, to yourself that, that morning? Uh, what am I doing here? Why am I heading in this direction? My friend isn't here. I don't know anybody. Mm. You know, like, now, there was one pastor from my previous experience that I really had a lot of respect for. Mm. And at that time, eight years earlier, he was already a retired pastor. So the, the pastor who was taking care of Brisbane Central Church at that time had two churches and he was at the other church. And so he, this pastor that I really respected happened to be the visiting pastor for that particular Sabbath. Wow. What are the chances? Only God could orchestrate that. And it also happened to be a Mother's Day weekend. Mm. And so this pastor... Um, his name, he's passed away now, but his name was Barry Crabtree. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes up to the, the to speak and to, to share his sermon and uh, he gets everyone's attention straight off the bat. He goes, well, I understand that today is Mother's Day and that normally we would be sharing a word regarding women's ministry or women in the Bible uh, with that kind of an emphasis. But I just want to let you know that this Wednesday, he was very specific, this Wednesday just gone, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and has asked me to deliver a message that's very different wow. from what you would normally hear on a Mother's Day service. And I just remember two things, and it was the first part of his message. The first thing he got up and said, he says, on behalf of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I would like to sincerely apologize for everything that we've ever done that has caused anybody to leave the church. Wow. And I still get shivers now. Just Wow, I'm getting shivers just hearing that again. The sense of relief that I, heard, that I felt when I heard that mm. message, um, I knew that he was speaking. Mm. The Holy Spirit was speaking through him to me. He said that we need to remember that we are fishers of men, that we're not cleaners of men. It's our job to introduce people to Jesus. It's not our job to change them. That's Mm. the role of the Holy Spirit. Mm. 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 So I committed, and six weeks later, uh, I I was baptized. Wow. Wow. What an incredible testimony up until this point. But there's there's a whole heap more. There's a whole heap more. There's a whole heap more, which we'll be taking a look at. And um, Rodney, you mentioned at one point there was another thing. From your sermon, uh, from the sermon of Pastor Crabtree that he shared that really stuck with you. Um, and so we're going to hear about what that second thing is and then the rest of this incredible journey of, of how God will find a way. He will find a way to reach a person who is open and willing to be reached. God will find a way. He's got a thousand ways to reach people um, that we have no idea of. But we're going to go to a beautiful song right now, and then after that song, we're going to continue with this incredible journey of faith. So don't go away. Stick around because there's more to come. Showing my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is the flow That makes me white as snow 
my burdens Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Gonna lay down my burdens Down by the riverside Gonna study war no more No more Gonna lay down my burdens Down by Gonna lay down my burdens Down by the riverside Gonna study war no more War no more Study war no more Ooh, yes We'll gather at the river Don't you wanna gather Gather with the saints at the river From the throne of God Throne of God Satisfied I'm satisfied He said he would be my comfort And he said he would be my God Well, I looked at my hands My hands are new I looked at my feet And they did too Ever since that wonderful day, hey, my soul's been satisfied. Oh, yes, we'll gather at the river. The beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river. That flows from the throne. listening to the Looking Up show on this very special day when we are interviewing my good friend and fellow co-worker in the ministry. We work together um, in the same church there at Hillview, Rodney Meller, and he's sharing his journey of faith. And as you were sharing, Rodney, um, concerning just your desire to know the truth, you know, your hunger for the truth, no matter where the truth would lead you, even though it was scary, as you have just shared, um, and you weren't willing and you were wondering, what am I doing here? Why am I going? Where am I going? But you were a keen seeker after truth. I couldn't help but think of the words of Jesus that we find in John 8, verse 31 and 32, and he says these words. Then, the, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, so those who were hungry for truth like you were hungry for truth and still are, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. What a powerful promise that if we want to know the truth in the word, and you wanted to know what the Bible has to say, Jesus will reveal that to us through the Holy Spirit, even though a battle will ensue. You know, and you've been talking about this battle now. Just to clarify for our listeners, um, what were those two powerful um, truths that Pastor Crabtree shared on this Mother's Day weekend. Should have been a Mother's Day sermon, but it wasn't because the Holy Spirit had impressed him a few days prior that he needed to share a very specific message. He had no idea what was, who was going to be in the audience that was going to be you. But what were those two things that especially spoke to your heart, which I think will speak to the hearts of many who may be in that same boat right now? 
Yeah, the first thing was the apology. The first thing was it 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 freed me, you know. Uh, and the second part um, was the fact that the reminder, the the call that you know we aren't to try to convince people mm. to change their ways. Our role is to introduce people to Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit work on their hearts. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the Bible says, you know, it is it is He in you mm. who does and uh, who does God's good will and pleasure. Mm. You know, where to look to Jesus, where to point people to Jesus. He's, it's exactly right. Well, continue, continue with the journey. So, where did we go to from here? You mentioned, you know, six weeks later you were baptized. Yeah, um, yeah so, where to from there? So, you know, I'd um, I'd been on a path of uh, business and in politics and setting up, you know, my own sort of little kingdom in this world, I guess you could say. And, you know, a Bible verse that sort of really spoke to me um, prior to my baptism that um, really changed my my perspective on things. And at that stage, I, you know, I'd had um, one of the businesses that I'd had was a – was a successful pizza restaurant up in up in Brisbane, and I'd used I was used to working eighty hundred hours a week, and I used to suffer from um, migraines because I used to take control of everything, you know, and um, so I had to, you know, I had these terrible migraines that I would suffer from time to time. But the Bible s- says to me that. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and many of you are very familiar with this text, um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But I had been putting the cart before the horse, and I was thinking, I'm going to get everything first, and then I'll give my life back to God. But God said, no, no, you've got it the wrong way around. Seek me first. Mm. And so... I got baptized, and since my baptism. And by the way, what year was that that, that you got? That was two thousand and eight, June twenty eight. June twenty eight, two thousand eight. You remember it, eh? That was when I uh, was born, born again. again. Born again. Born a second we, time. We remember our, our our physical birthday, but I think it's more important that we remember our spiritual oh, birthday. Well, well, that's for eternity, isn't it? Absolutely, that's for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. So I got baptized at that date, and since my baptism until now. I've never again experienced another migraine headache. Wow. No migraines. No migraines. That is incredible. I surrendered my life to Jesus. How serious were these migraines? I would have to go into a a very dark space, no noise, and take some serious painkillers. I used to take Macindor Fort and a few other things to, Mm. to be able to, you know, to dull the pain and then sleep. Wow. Yeah. And so the Lord, the Lord took that away. Mm. Um, I guess that was because God doesn't always take away migraines and, and illnesses, as we know. But there was there was obviously a very specific reason why God took that away to to build your faith, to enable you to trust in Him, and for Him to show you, "Hey, I am with you, and I'm guiding, and I'm leading you, and this is a token of of my care for you, and that I have." you in my hands and I've got your future and I think, in my hands. And I think more than that, I think it was also just a, um, a symbol of prior my baptism, I took control of mm. my life. Post-baptism, 
I'd surrendered complete control of every aspect of my life into God's hands. And so um, the, the, it was the stress mm. of myself trying to control things that caused these headaches. Once mm. I released that stress and released mm. everything into God's hands, you know, it, it took away that, that uh, stress-induced. Mm, it reminds me of, you know, Jesus' words, come unto me, you know. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. you know, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And so you found that beautiful rest in Jesus. Yep. Well, burden so, is light. Praise the Lord, yes, praise the Lord. That burden is light. So you're baptized and um and now you're you're discovering what it means to seek first God's kingdom. It's completely turned one your of, your priorities upside down. Absolutely. And Where did of, God lead you from that point? So one of the wisest bits of information I received just before I got baptized. Um, and I was baptized by Pastor Mark Baines. Mm-hmm. And he said to me... Um, I went to college with him, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, He's a basketball player, young no, guy. No, no, he's retired now. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm thinking of... Ross yeah. Baines, sorry. You're think, yeah. I'll think of his Ross, son. Yes. His son is Mark Baines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross Baines. Ross sorry. Baines, yeah, yeah. And um, I remember he said to me... Um, you can expect after your baptism that Satan will attack. Uh, he will do everything he can to discourage you and to to cause you to, to walk away from this commitment. Now, thankfully, I've, I'd already experienced discourage, discouragement before and, and this new decision was something that I had made in my heart Mm. And I knew that the attacks would come, but it was nice to be able to be forewarned. Mm. So I got baptized on the on the Sabbath, and I was working in a corporate job at that stage. And I went went to work on the Monday, and which happened to be the first of July. And uh, I received notification that the company was uh, restructuring, and. Basically, last on, first off, I'd been hired about five months earlier. Uh, so I was one of the newer newer people in that in that company, and so I'd lost my job. <laughs> Two days after being baptised, mm-hmm. the attacks began. Wow. And that continued a series of different attacks that sort of came in that period of time. But I knew that it was where those attacks were coming from. Mm. It didn't make... The burden any easier? It was some emotionally difficult things that I had to go through, but I was tested. And six weeks after I got baptized, I went to a, a youth program, um, and the preacher there had come from overseas, and he was sharing um, testimony. And I felt God speak through him to um, commit my life to do um, mission work. Um, to two years of missionary service. And I, I believe one of the reasons that God had impressed me to do that was um, as I was new in the faith, I didn't have uh, a strong network of friends or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever in the church. My, my, my strong network was still outside of the church. I had some very good friends who were uh, not in the church and the the temptations and the and the, the draw from there was very strong. And as a new Christian, um, there was a lot of pull to try and you know 
bring me into different different scenarios. And so God wanted to take me out of where I was and to place me into an environment where he could nurture me and, and to grow my mm-hmm. faith. And so initially, um, so I accepted the call to do mission work for two years. I said, yep, Lord, you've called, I'll go. Now the the pastor who had shared his testimony and was and was speaking had come from South America and I thought oh yeah that'd be cool be cool I'd love to great go great adventure you know, learn some, a new language yeah I've got friends from South America I have you know um, I have some network there as well mm-hmm. um, and so I thought oh this will be good but God had other plans yes He wanted to be to be a missionary but South America wasn't the destination. Um, and I, and I, as a new Christian, I didn't realize that there was a difference between the two. <laughs> so 2008, for some of you who may be um, old enough to remember, there was a, a global financial collapse mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in October 2008. And so um, all the doors out of Australia into South America, they were shut. And God opened up, and, and I was feeling a little bit discouraged I knew that God was still speaking to me, but I'm like, but this is where you wanted me to be. And then he opened up an opportunity for me to go to Indonesia. And and I went, what? <laughs> um, the only thing I knew about Indonesia at that time was the Bali bombings and the tsunami. Um, I had no friends there. I had no friends who had friends there. It was like this one country in the whole world that was like this black hole for me. And um, and that's where God wanted to send me mm. because he wanted me to cut off all of my earthly supports mm. and to learn to completely trust in him. Mm. Um, almost every other country I, I would have been able to find someone that that I knew, you know, that I, or that knew someone that, and have and have those... Uh, networks, but Indonesia was a completely blank canvas. He, had you been there before? Never. Never. Wow. Never been there. Didn't know anyone from there. Didn't know anyone who knew anyone there. Just it was just this completely unknown. And the only thing I knew was from the media, you know, um, mm-hmm. the tsunami, and the bombing, the bombing, and all these kinds of things. And so uh, I was a little bit resistant, but I was. I thought, I thought to myself, okay, let me ask my mum what she thinks of this idea, her son going to Indonesia to be a, a missionary, you know. And uh, my mum is a lovely lady and, um, and uh, I always trusted her advice. So I went, to, I went to her and I said, oh, I've got this opportunity to go to Indonesia to be a missionary um, for two years, and uh, expecting her to say, "Oh, don't be silly, that's crazy," she said to me, "Oh, that would suit you. That would really suit you. I think you would do really great there." <laughs> oh, that wasn't the response I was expecting wow. to get. And so, every obstacle and every door that I thought would be closed, God just opened the way, and I said. I submitted. I said, "Well, if this is where you want me to be, Lord, then then I will go." Um, and it turned out to be just such an incredible blessing 
two years turned into ten. Um, my wife is from Indonesia, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just an incredible experience. Wow! So you could see this is where God wanted you to be, and it was it was difficult in the beginning because you know when I was there as a missionary, I um, I was used to a certain lifestyle in Brisbane. I was living in a city, cafes, you know. Walks along the river. It was just a, a really beautiful place. And when I went to do mission work, I didn't know the language. I had no income. I was eating food off the street um, and trying to understand this new culture that was surrounding me. Wow, that's exciting. Well, we're going to hear more about this culture and the work there in Indonesia and how God used you, how God blessed you, how God grew you. Mm. We're going to hear about that in our final segment. Um, After this song, we've got the news, and then we're going to come back for the final stage of this incredible journey. Inside my chest beats a heart You have always blessed, but I've pushed you apart I've never had a test that I passed My life was a mess from the start But you smile at me with love You descend like a dove You say, child, let me rescue thee And one day In 
sanctified and blessed, you're set apart. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3:30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate. It's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun. So catch you then. Well, here we are. We're in the home stretch. Time just flies by, doesn't it, Rodney? Oh, it's incredible. It flies by. And, um, yeah, we've been blessed as you've been sharing your journey, um, from the, the very beginning there in Toowoomba all the way through to Indonesia mm. and God calling you on this missionary journey that you were reluctant to go on, but you could see God's hand and God's fingerprints, um, in your life for those 10 years, I guess, that you were there. So, so tell us maybe some of the experiences that you had there, some of the learnings and how God grew you and there, and then where God led you from there to where you are today. Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, just before the break, we, um, you know, it was a, a tough transition to begin with because, uh, I'd been used to, you know, a different lifestyle and, uh, now I was in a place that was very unfamiliar, and this was before we had smartphones, before we had FaceTime and, and you know easy communication. If I wanted to call home, you know, call family back home, um, I needed to get one of those calling cards and scratch the thing off the back and oh, I type in those the digits. Days. Oh, oh. I remember those days. Shell, do you remember? <laughs> Shell's, Shell's nodding her head. She remembers those days. Those of us who are dinosaurs, we remember those days. <laughs> so it wasn't just a case of you know. Uh, and I didn't have a laptop, and you know, like it was, um, yeah. I was really isolated. Yeah. And, but, but it was by design. That's not that long ago, mate. It you, wasn't that long. Well, look, in 2008 onwards, that's not like that 500 was, years yeah, ago. It was not even 2009, 50, yeah. 2009, that's like just 13, 14 years ago. What, how the world has it's changed. changed. It's yeah. incredibly changed. Especially anyway. the way that we connect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that was by design because what it allowed me to do is to be able to, again, to plow into into the books and I read right through the whole spirit of prophecy I, I read through the Bible I, I read through uh, a lot of other now for those who may not be familiar with the term spirit of prophecy um, that's uh, the books written by Ellen White who yes. the Seventh-day Adventist Church believes according to scripture God used in a mighty way to to, to share prophetic messages with uh, not only the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but with the whole world to prepare people for the second coming of Jesus. So that's the spirit of prophecy, books yeah. that everyone should read. And, and it allowed me to, to really develop that trust in God um, because I had no other earthly support. Mm. Um, I wasn't able to just quickly reach out to friends back in Australia or, or to family back in Australia um, I didn't have a network of resources or people in Indonesia. And so my my only strength and my only re- resource that I had was prayer and, and, and to, to just to completely trust in God's providence. And he always did. But it's 
but it was still a, a tough transition, you know. It, it, there were times, so I have to be honest, there were days when I just thought, I should just go back to Australia. This is too hard, you know. Um, but I, I pushed through and um, that was my wilderness experience. Mm. But I learned so much, um, particularly about myself and, and how having that faith in God and having that trust in God um, will get you through. Mm. And so at, on the other side of that, um, I was involved in um, founding um, two churches. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereabouts? In Jakarta. In Jakarta, the yeah, capital. Yeah. Um, and we were focused on uh, the English-speaking community, mm-hmm. uh, whether they were locals who wanted to be able to improve or practice their English or the expat community who you know, had come in from overseas and were working in, in Jakarta. And so uh, I was. Um, I also got into business. Um, I, I set up a consultancy business over there and we did corporate training. Um, I was also a, a lecturer at one of the universities for about six years. And so um, but it was a wonderful experience. Uh, I got to meet some amazing people and uh, particularly with our um, church, the second church that we, we set up there, um, we ran a foundation from that um, which was called uh, the Smile Centre. And so we would uh, offer um, depression counselling and other counselling services. But one of the key things that we offered, Dan, um, was the Adventist five-day quit smoking program. Mm. Um, 65% of the population in Indonesia smoke. Wow. And so it's a it's a really big issue. And so being able to provide a, a place where people could come and overcome that addiction um, was was very powerful. One of the other issues in Indonesia, being a majority Muslim country, is the fact that uh, proselytization is illegal. Mm. So you have to be very intentional with how you evangelize. Uh, you're not able to just openly go and share the, the gospel and to, to, to win converts because uh, you will find out very soon that the long arm of the law will be against you. Um, and not just the law. Um, so by doing this project where we're able to meet people where they're at and meet their needs uh, and follow the Jesus method, mm. really, um, it allowed us to create relationships and to build the, those friendships and relationships with people. And then when they asked us about you know, our faith community or you know, what drives us, it was them who opened up the door and then we were able to share. And from that we got many baptisms, mm. uh, praise the Lord. And so we're just simply beginning by sharing with people's needs, meeting their needs, winning their confidence, as, right. as Alan White writes, you know, showing them sympathy and then inviting them to follow Jesus. Yeah, once they'd witnessed and, and experienced change mm. in their life, positive change mm. in their life. Physical yeah. change then, they were open to spiritual change. Absolutely. And mm. so it was an amazing experience, and uh, and that church grew from just a core core beginning of six people, mm-hmm. um, and in twelve months we had more than a hundred people regularly wow. attending. Praise the Lord! Praise yeah. the Lord! Praise the Lord! That's wonderful. And it was at that point that God tapped me on the shoulder again, mm-hmm. <laughs> as He does. As he does. <laughs> and you know, at that stage, we had a. Uh, 
a three-year-old daughter. She was... Um, so your wife's name is... Alice. Alice. And your yeah. daughter's? Zoe. Zoe, yes. Yeah. And so... We had this ministry that we were um, involved in full, you know, full time. It was you so know, you were working in the corporate world, running working, your business, yep, yep. lecturing, and you were still involved in, in yep. the church. You and must have been flat out and had a wife and a child. Yes, um, yeah, flat out is <laughs> is an under <laughs> flat out like a lizard <laughs> drinking, as they say. Um, but you know. Um, we were energized by what we were doing, you know, and, and so we were very active in, in all aspects. My wife was also working in the corporate world as well, and so we had a very busy life and had no intentions of, of going anywhere because, you know, we were so invested in everything that was happening. And then God tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, I, f- I felt his call for me to do uh, more preaching, get into sharing my testimony more and to, you know, because I enjoyed being behind the scenes, you know, um, strategizing and being, you know, having someone else being out the front. And so um, I spoke to my friend at the time who was the pastor as well and and uh, his response somewhat shocked me. He said, oh, you need to go to Avondale. <laughs> and I went. Did you call your mum? No, no, not this time. <laughs> not this time. <laughs> I called on God. <laughs> you called on God. <laughs> you needed, you needed divine um, uh, guidance, yeah, guidance, and and you know, I believe to this day that you know, God used him mm. to open up that door, and because it was way off, it was not on, not even on our radar. Mm. Again, you know. As Indonesia was not on my radar coming back to Australia. Because your wife's Indonesian, so I'm assuming she'd her nev- family's yeah, over and there. Yeah, she'd never left the country Wow, um, to live outside of the country. Um, and so it was a big move. You know, we were settled. We had roots, you know, and my daughter was there. We had a business. We had, the, you know, this new burgeoning ministry. But God said, no, I need you somewhere else. Wow. And so I prayed um, one of the most dangerous prayers that, Anybody can ever pray. I said, Lord, if this is where you want me to be, you close whatever doors need to be closed. You open whichever doors need to be open. Mm-hmm. This is on you. I'm not making this happen, but you make mm-hmm. this happen. So two days after I prayed that prayer, one of my contracts that I'd had with a, a major multinational corporation for a number of years rang me and said, oh, I think we're going to move in a different direction. I went, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> I should have guessed. Um, but no, it was, you know, wow. um, God continued to provide um, all the way through, but uh, he made it abundantly clear um, that this is where he wanted us to be. And one of my prayers was also the fact that um, – my wife would have the same conviction. Mm. Yeah, very important. As I had, because I didn't want to go it alone. Well, you can't be in ministry as a lone ranger if you have a wife and family. They That's need right. to be with you. And so she needed, I said, God, I can't, I'm not leaving unless mm. my wife has the, you know, the same conviction and the same you know, mm. willingness mm. To, to follow as I do. And so she. God worked some uh, amazing miracles in in um, Alice's life as well for her to to see that 
God wanted us as a family to, to relocate. And so in September 2019, um, we relocated to, uh, they call it Nappy Valley <laughs> in Kurunbong. You can only guess why. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, most of my adult life Deb being started in, a new business and, in, and, in our life. and uh, the professional world to moving to academia, which was you know something that was very different. And I was used to being a provider. Now I'm going back to being a full-time student. And mm-hmm. so, Your wife's providing now primarily. And, well, you know, at that stage um, – she didn't find work for the first twelve months mm, when we moved wow. here. So I was still, I was still working and, and studying wow. at the same time. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was some challenges that we faced while while we're here. You know, God's calling doesn't mean that it's going to be always, mm, mm. you know, roses and, but it's important to obey. And I remember some of my friends back in Indonesia before I moved was just like, "Man, you're crazy. What are you doing? You know, you've." got a business here you've got you know this and that and everything else what you know why now what are you moving for all i could tell them was you know god this is god's will you know mm. god's calling me and uh once covid hit the same guys are going hey did you have a crystal ball <laughs> <laughs> because yeah that was september 2019 yeah that's just, right. just a few months before covid hit that's right and uh and so yeah when uh when we came um yeah, we got got into study and and um, started to to move in in the direction that God was calling. Mm. And here you are, only a couple of months out from uh, graduating yeah. and uh, moving to Again, starting another new chapter. Starting another new chapter, which I guess you are well and truly used to. Yes, um, God is in the business of of sending us to places where where He knows we will grow and we Amen. will be used by him for his honor and glory. And, um, yeah, we praise the Lord for that. Well, it's been fascinating. I can't believe it. We've come to the end of our time almost. Um, we have a, another short section after this as we, as we close up. But I just want to thank you, Rodney. Um, it's been really encouraging and I've been uh, looking over uh, my shoulder to see how my friend Shell has been enjoying this testimony. She too has been blessed, as we are always, to hear testimonies, and we've heard many. And so we want to thank you so much, and we wish you and, um, yeah, Alice all the best, and Zoe, as you move into the next part of this journey with God, this missionary journey. And so we're going to have a few final closing words from you after this song and then we're going to have a prayer for Rodney we're going to have a prayer for those who are in the Middle East we're going to have a prayer for the the, the missionaries on the front line seeking to share the good news of the gospel so we yeah we really do thank you and so stay tuned folk listen to this beautiful song and after that we'll come with some final closing thoughts Then he brought them safe to shore. 
He's the one you're looking for. So let him in, and he will take away your pain. Once you feel his love, you'll never be the same. Come unto Christ. Come unto Folk, as always, the time has flown by. I hope you enjoyed that um, beautiful song, The Time Has Flown By. And we're here at the end of our Looking Up show for another week. And um, we've been blessed to hear the journey of faith from our good friend Rodney. And we are so looking forward to how God is going to continue to use you in the coming days. Um, So the Bible says, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, Rodney, 
what would you like to share with our with our looking up listeners as as a final thought, as a final take home? Those who may be struggling, wondering, you know, what to do with the decision that God has placed before them, and they're really wrestling with it. How should they respond? Well, I think you know uh, one of the things that we need to to do is to put aside some of the petty issues that we we have in life and the quarreling, quarreling and the disputing of things. And um, I just want to share with you uh, a little verse from the mm, Bible. Go for it. It comes from John uh, chapter 17. I'm going to read verses 20, 21 and 23. It says, I'm not asking on behalf of them alone, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly united, so that the world may know that you have sent me and that you loved them just as you have loved me. Mm, wow. When, when our focus is on Jesus, mm. it doesn't matter the differences that we have. But as long as we are centered on, on Jesus, we can come together for his mission for the gospel and be a witness to the whole world of his love. Mm, amen. Amen. And that's the bottom line, isn't it? It's not about us. Uh, it's about showcasing God and his love. Amen. And as we do come together with all of our differences, uh, God is able to use us for his honor and glory. And yeah, as as we come together as one, and if ever the world needed to see unity, genuine love, genuine care, uh, genuine grace, it's today. Amen. It's today in this polarized, divided world that we live in. And so the grace of God today is more needed than ever before. And that's the center of the gospel, isn't it? That's it. That's the very central point of the gospel, the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God is the greatest power of the universe. And that is the power that will win out at the end of the day and forevermore. This universe will signal and showcase God's love in every way. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful scripture and that beautiful final challenge, Rodney. And um, we're going to have a prayer now for you, for your family, also for the world. And then we're going to be signing off um, for another week. So let's just pause and pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you um, for the way you lead men and women on a journey of faith. Those who are seeking and searching, Lord, you have promised they will find. And we have had the testimony today of our, of our good friend, um, Rodney, who has shared with us how you have led and guided him and the way you are continuing to lead and guide him. So Lord, as he as he and his family move to the next chapter of this faith journey with you, we pray that you will bless them in a mighty way there in WA um, as they minister in Perth and um, erect and build and, um, and begin new churches, dear Lord, for your gospel. May what they do through your power uh, hasten the day of your coming. We also pray, Lord, for the people in the Middle East. We pray, Lord, for the people around the world, wherever they may be, where there is conflict. Lord, may they hear the good news of salvation. May they hear the good news of hope. May they hear the good news that you are coming back soon to put an end to sin, suffering, and sorrow. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 So, folk, for another week, I want to encourage you 
to remember that fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith always looks up. Keep looking up. Until next week, God bless and bye for now. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start. With a prayer, all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea. His love is always there for me.
grateful.